Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Unprotected Sets captures the energy of a live comedy show and brings it directly to your ears. Part stand-up, part interview. You'll get an inside scoop into the tragically funny lives and minds of rising star comics. Real, raw, and funny. It's Unprotected Sets. We would get roasted a lot and teased because, you know, we would look poor and hand-me-down. They used to say they could tell what we were having for lunch because the stains would be on my vest. (laughs) And I just got murdered in the cafeteria with that. Like, everybody was like, ugh. So I had to immediately start clapping back, man, and just start roasting people's hairline, shoes, whatever you can. Anything was fresh up on the table. At that point, I got a reputation of just being funny. I didn't even know I had that in me, but it was like, you know, fight or flight. Please welcome to the stage, Kyrie Shabazz. Thank y'all. It takes me a minute to get to the stage, so people got to clap extra long. So thank y'all. <laughs> Being here, man. How y'all feeling? Y'all feeling good? Um, I don't know, man. I am. I'm following my dreams. I don't recommend it. Uh, it didn't. No, for real, because the sneeze and the cough took out my whole industry. Like it's not. And I worked hard to get to where I'm at. Like I was work. I used to work at a lot of fast food restaurants. I was working at Taco Bell, and I was really good at it. Like I was extremely good. Like, to this day, I still know how to make a crunch wrap supreme. I still... <laughs> Y'all don't believe me. 12-inch tortilla, pump a nacho cheese, scoop of beef, take a crunchy tostada shell, put it on top, give it a swirl, so there's an even portion of beef and cheese when you bite into the center. Circle pump of sour cream, four-finger pinch of lettuce, three-finger pinch of tomato, wrap it like a semi-octagon, grill it for 17 seconds, and serve. That is a useless fucking skill I possess. Please don't condescend. Please. <laughs> I was working at Taco Bell at the time, and I kept getting in trouble because I would joke around and say shit that would piss, you know. Taco Bell has an HR. I know it's shocking. But they actually actually have a fucking HR department. But I would get in trouble all the time for joking about shit. They had me work in the back kitchen. I'm the only black dude back here working, but I was always in the back. Like, they never wanted me in the front of the house. So I literally, man, I was in the back, and I started singing spirituals. Like, I would be back there mopping, like, swing low. (laughs) Just, like, loud as fuck. And my friend pulled me to the side. He was doing improv. He was like, hey, man, I know this club. Come try stand-up comedy and, you know, do it. And you can sing spirituals on stage all day, and you could have that outlet. And that felt great. My manager recently reached out, was like, hey, you want to come back? I'm like, no, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) I had to lie and pretend I was busy doing, like, famous Hollywood shit, but I secretly wanted to go back. Like, it's not... 
but I can't do it. There's no way I'll ever go back to Taco Bell. The only way I'll go, I thought about it long and hard, is if we're attacked by like an alien life force <laughs> and NASA finds out that the aliens really love Taco Bell. Like, I don't know, like, it's some kind of chemical in there that the aliens love. It's like gold on their planet. And they're like, we need an expert to put a nuclear device in a Crunchwrap Supreme and blow up their spaceship. Who do we know? And they come, they find me. I'm living off the grid in my log cabin. <laughs> they show up, I'm all grizzled and disheveled, like, I don't do that anymore. I gave that life up. That's the old me. But they finally convinced me to come back to save mankind. They take me to their secret training ground. They have a whole secret operation going on. They got all these scientists and astronauts trying to make Taco Bell. <laughs> these guys been at MIT. They're book smart. They don't know about making real authentic Taco Bell. <laughs> Quiz them immediately. You, glasses, right there. Beefy five lab burrito. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Boom, done. In space, it'll be out. You got to make it quick. 30 seconds flat. Now I gotta talk to who's in charge. Who's in charge of this? I'm only doing this mission under two conditions. If we do it my way with my crew, that's the only way. <laughs> I put a lot of thought into this. I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> now I gotta drive around, you know, in black SUVs with federal agents recruiting old team for one last mission to save mankind. You know, get the gang back together. The people on my list are highly qualified, but to NASA, they look suspicious. <laughs> First lady, her name is Maria. She's pregnant with her third child. They're like, what do we need with a pregnant teenage girl? It's like, we need somebody to work the registers, all right? Every Taco Bell has one. The next guy on the list is even more suspicious. His name is Philip. He's a 50-year-old white man addicted to meth and hair on. They're like, what the fuck do we need with a 50-year-old white meth addict? I was like, we need a store manager. Now look. Please. I wish that wasn't true. I really had a manager named Phil who's a meth addict. I wish. Maybe I should have changed his name for this bit. I don't know, but. <laughs> he wasn't self-aware. He would try to compliment me, but offend me at the same time. He was like, hey, man, you're doing a good job. I see a lot of myself in you. I'm like, nigga, don't ever say that again. <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? That was so discouraging. And I'm not blowing down no Taco Bell. Get it how you live. It's just, I just, it's like, okay, I went back home and I got a job at Target and it was rough because like just a month before that, I was on TV. I just had a comedy thing air on TV. It was amazing. And a month later, I was checking receipts at the door at Target. That shit was fucking miserable, man. I, my soul was crushed. I had to smile at white people at the door at Target like a good Leo Negro every day. <laughs> Like, hey there, how you doing, Miss Shabbat Shab Shab? Like, it was just not. <laughs> I had to smile and be friendly to white kids. Oh, I'll be good to your mammy, slap it and slap. I didn't. <laughs> I'm the goddamn right. But I did. I went back home. I went back home. A lot of people went back home. Strange times, man. And going back home is always a good idea until you actually go back home. Then you realize that's the worst decision you could have ever made in your life. But I wanted to be near family. I'm a black man. Family is big to us. I got a question for all, and I don't, white people, you, sir, why, do white people have cousins? Like, no, I, she said, yeah. 
Nah, no. I know y'all have cousins, but do y'all interact with them? I never see. Because, yeah. no, okay, well, for some white people don't know, like, cousins are the shit to minorities. We love our fucking cousins. <laughs> like, our cousins, like, a cousin is a bond forged by childhood tragedy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Every loving memory of my cousin is due to some horrific event. Every time I hung out with him, it's because either one of our utilities was cut out. Like, that's... <laughs> their mom was running away from their boyfriend, and we hung out for a week and was Power Rangers. It was amazing. <laughs> my mom battled with addiction, so my dad was like, we need to get him somewhere more stable. So I have an older brother and then a younger sister. So we all three went to Cleveland, and then, uh, yeah, we just thugged it out in Cleveland from there on out. So you go to be raised by who in Cleveland? My grandmother, which is my dad's mom, yeah. So I was raised by her. Really, man, just one of the kindest, like, nicest um, ladies. She worked most of her life through the education system. So we had encyclopedias, and, like, we were reading fucking Edgar Allan Poe and Emily Dickinson and all kind of crazy shit. She was everything to me. She was my mom. She was my father. She was my teacher. She took us all in. If you, literally, it was like a, it was a drop-off zone for kids. She was like a fire station. You could just bring a baby and no questions asked. <laughs> That's what family's for, man. And I went back. I thought it would help my sister. She's a single mom raising kids. She has a lot of kids. My sister has so many kids, like, the rules in her house are a little different. In her house, like, the minute you learn how to walk, you are on your own. You got to figure it out. <laughs> it's doggy dog. You are on your own. And I was at her house, and I saw my niece getting ready to take her first steps for the first time. And in that moment, I just had to sweep her feet and knock her down. Like, not yet, baby girl. Not yet. <laughs> just hang in there a little bit. Once you start walking, I can't help you. It's over. <laughs> I think the hardest part, too, about going back home is you realize your mind has changed. You no longer think the same way. You have different values. I've been in California for a long time. I am like a common law liberal. Like, it's just, it's ingrained. I just, I'm a California liberal. I shop at Sprouts. I didn't have the right mentality to go back to Ohio and be in the hood. Like, I was at my dad's house, and there was this cat stuck in a tree. And the cat was meowing, like, it just, meow, like, it was miserable, and nobody gave a fuck. <laughs> no one gave, I was furious. I'm like, this would never happen in Berkeley. There's no way. <laughs> if a cat was stuck in a tree in Berkeley, they were sending a fucking task force. <laughs> they would get that cat a grievance counselor. <laughs> Some white bitch would adopt it and name it Mittens, like that cat. <laughs> They would have spared no cost. But here in Ohio, people walked by callous, didn't give a fuck about that cat. And finally, after a few days, I snapped. I was talking to my dad, and he said some shit that was so... You ever hear something that was so ignorant but brilliant at the same time? I went up to him, I was like, hey, dad, let me use your ladder. He was like, for what? I was like, I'm gonna get that cat out that tree. That cat is starving. And he was like, that cat ain't starving. I was like, how do you know? He was like, because he's still in that goddamn tree. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that made so much sense to me. If that cat was starving, he would get the fuck out the tree. That night I went home and I started looking at my own life. Like, am I stuck in my own tree? Like, 
I was like, I got to, if you have any problems in life, stop crying and complaining and waiting for the people to bail you out and rescue you. Work hard and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I didn't like my dad's message, but it was real. Because when I came back, that cat was out of the tree. It collapsed from starvation and fell to his death. But that's where y'all draw the line with the fake cat in the goddamn tree. Oh, my mom, she was addicted to methamphetamine and, um, she battled with that for some time, and she was able to get clean and kind of get off drugs and turn her life around. And I met her when I was 13. So we go out to California. Uh, my dad wants to surprise her, because that's a fun prank. Like, hey, I'm here with your kids you never met. So he <laughs> just, I'm, man, I'm dead ass. Like, he just was like, hey, wouldn't this be funny? And we're like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> We go to Greyhound, man, four days to California. We get into town, and it was the most awkward, uncomfortable shit ever. Just like, hey, hey, you know these guys? Like, it's just, it was his way of trying to be fun and funny and break the ice, <laughs> but it made the tension so thick. She hasn't time to prepare the house or nothing. You know, you want to put on a good impression, but yeah, it felt like it was a stranger, man. It, it really did. I'm done with debates with people online. I'm tired of it. I don't know if you guys are. I'm not arguing with you online no more because I don't believe in people's philosophies. I don't believe all lives matter. That's absurd. Every life doesn't matter. <laughs> the fifth member of a K-pop band, his life does not matter. There are nine other people that look exactly like him or her. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't want to debate with people, man, because, like, I got the last debate I got into, this guy was complaining about his constitutional rights being violated. He was like, it is my constitutional right not to wear a mask. You have to respect the Constitution. What document in America do you know is more powerful than the Constitution? I was like, dude, a doctor's note by far. Like, a doctor's note <laughs> is the most powerful document in America. It is widely respected. <laughs> You don't believe me? Don't show up to work for 30 days and pop up with a constitution if you want to. <laughs> They'll fire you immediately. We have a doctor's note, they might have to pay you for those missed days. In fact, none of us could be here tonight if we didn't have a doctor's note. I couldn't email them a, a bill of rights. <laughs> unemployed right now, it's not bad. Think about this. To get your constitutional rights, you might have to protest. You might have to, like, you know, hire an attorney and get a federal case. Imagine how much trouble a doctor's note would have saved some prolific civil rights activist. <laughs> right? Like, I could just see it now, like, oh, shit, my bad, Rosa Parks. I know you had a doctor's note. <laughs> it says, here, your fibromyalgia's acting up. <laughs> get up, white bitch. She has a note. Get up. <laughs> I'm just saying, it would have been different if Martin Luther King had a dream signed by his physician. It would have went by <laughs> a lot more smooth. I'm also embarrassed, like, sometimes of political debates, because we all want to look intellectual. And my, like, ADD kicks in, I can't always focus. I'll give you guys an example. The last intellectual conversation I was in was about Antifa. And the whole time I kept thinking, like, Antifa sounds like a name of a sitcom Queen Latifah was supposed to star in. <laughs> Doesn't it? Like, it sounds like the sitcom was supposed to come out in 2020, but they canceled it, like, because of the protest. It just didn't translate as well. 
here's the premise of the show. Queen Latifah moves to a new city to help raise her nieces and nephews. The tagline is, Antifa's here to take over Seattle. <laughs> Like, oh, we can't use this shit. We need. <laughs> and that is how adults never invite you to a serious conversation again. <laughs> I can't take things serious, man. And then it's like, I don't know how to like e explain it either. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my best to cope. Like we all are. Everybody's trying to cope right now with staying at home. And I've gotten further. I stream everything now. And I went through a phase of streaming like drug cartel movies. They're my favorite. And my favorite thing about them, I've noticed a pattern. Every drug cartel leader tells the most amazing stories ever. <laughs> They're fucking amazing storytellers. It doesn't matter what the story is. And I love this part of the movie. I always know when it's coming up. It's usually when someone owes them money and they're about to give them 24 hours. And they light that cigarette. It don't matter what the story is, it's fucking brilliant, right? I don't know my money, okay. Do you know my favorite story when I was a little boy? The itsy bitsy spider. You see, every day the spider, he goes up, the water spout, and roots, down come the rain, he washes him down. He does not know what they do. He goes right back up the spot, and again, the rain washes him down. <laughs> and then one day, the sun, the sun come out and die a ball of the rain, and that itsy-bitsy spider makes it all the way up to the top. Now, you tell me this. If I'm the fucking sun, and I dry up the rain, and you make it to the top, and you don't have my fucking money, <laughs> do you think I would be like, whoa? That is... <laughs> Not the ending of the Itsy Bitsy Spider. <laughs> but I love what you did there, sir. <laughs> I love it, man. And I don't know, like, it made me appreciate Latin culture more. And that might seem fucked up, but I want to learn more about my Latin brothers and sisters. Right? Starting with language. I have nothing. I got time on my hand. I know I stammered through that. Brother, that brother. That's what happens <laughs> when you have big jowls like this. <laughs> I want to learn a language. I got a language app. Anybody know these language apps? I got one. It teaches me a new Spanish word every day. I just learned a Spanish word. Abuela. It means grandma in Spanish. I didn't know that. Where I'm from, we call our grandmas the legal guardians. I was... <laughs> The hardest part right now for me, I think, is just uh, dealing with the, you know, loss of my grandma. She passed away in uh, 2010. Yeah, I sacrificed. I sacrificed some really good years. And, with your uh, grandma for your mom. With my grandma for my mom. And when I came back after uh, high school, kind of, you know, spent time with her, get to know with her and, you know, reconnect with her. I didn't know at the time that had to be the last years, you know, my grandma's life. So I felt like I kind of sacrificed those last years of kind of really being with her and getting to know her to uh to reconnect with somebody who who didn't want that connection and so that kind of always um that weighs heavy on me the one person i really kind of want to make proud or the person i really want to just see me shine in any moment can't witness that and now so everything i do now is always that weight of you know she'll never see it and the people who get to enjoy it are the people who didn't invest in it or care about it and then another thing people are worried about, too, is uh, quarantine weight. Everyone's gaining quarantine weight. And I don't know what it is. I'm just getting mature and more confident. 
I love my body size now. I fucking love it. Like, I look in the mirror every day. I'm like, I have a fucking king's body. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is a body of a 16th century king. I just... <laughs> Like, my body is very Robert Baratheon. This is very... I just look in the mirror and say kingly shit and turn myself on. Like, feed him to the lions. Like, I just... <laughs> More wine, whore. My mom's like, call me another whore. I'm a whoop you. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I don't envy and shape dudes no more because now I get it. I've been learning stuff about evolution. I understand now why I'm shaped this way and why y'all in shape. Dude, you look like you in great shape, right? You got muscles. Women like that. When they see you, they look at you like, he can give me babies that can climb trees. <laughs> I don't send women that kind of pheromones. My pheromones say he took the elevator instead of the stairs. Like, that's the pheromones I give. But it doesn't bother me, sir, because I know my body is the perfect body for laying on fur rugs and being fair grace. Like, this is a perfect governing body. Your body is in shape so you can build my pyramids and fight my wars. <laughs> my personal trainer hated that I have this new philosophy. He's like, no, dude, that's not. You're going to die. Like, no. <laughs> Oh, fuck. I think I'm the only black man with gout. I don't know. Uh, this... <laughs> I've been enjoying myself on this quarantine. Some shit has been rough because now they do a lot of deliveries. Some places you can't get delivered because it's the experience you love. And I'll share this with you guys. I'm not ashamed of it. There's one place I miss dearly, Panera Bread. I miss the full white experience of a Panera Bread. <laughs> I fucking love it. It is my day to enjoy white bliss and joy. I go in there and act a white-ass fool. I wear my white garbs, <laughs> cargo shorts, sandals with no socks. I go <laughs> and it's the experience I love. There's always a friendly white bitch named Emily there to greet me. Hi, welcome to Panera. She's happy. She's kind and patient. She offers me free samples. She's like, have you ever had quiche? I'm like, no. She knows I'm a fat ass life had quiche. <laughs> but she still lets me indulge. I got Nora Jones and Michael Bublé playing. It's a vibe. <laughs> but today's a special day. I'm here for a special treat. I'm here for my broccoli cheddar soup and a bread bowl. This shit is amazing. I look forward to this day. But when I went back home to Ohio, I didn't know there was a such thing as a Panera Bread in the hood. I didn't know. I wasn't ready. Not the same experience. I don't know who does the gerrymandering in Ohio, but they have not. <laughs> they, they, they gerrymandered Panera's in the hood. Somebody fucked up royally. And don't get me wrong, y'all know I've checked receipts at Target. I've worked at Taco Bell. I'm not trying to dog it. I love my people, not at fucking Panera. Listen, I will not tolerate it in the hood. I'm sorry, ma'am, you can shake your head all you want. I will not be robbed of my Panera experience. Because as soon as I go in, there's no friendly bitch named Emily there to greet me. There's Tasha, she already said an attitude for some shit I didn't do to her. <laughs> 
It's not my fault you let your boyfriend drive your car where you at work and now he ain't text you back and he's late picking you up. I didn't do that, bitch. Read me the menu. <laughs> She's mad. Her eyelashes has attitudes. I don't even get a free sample of quiche. They don't have quiche. There's a bitch that works here named Quiche, but there's no... <laughs> there's no Quiche. And they're doing shit I know that's against the company policies. Because there's no Nora Jones or Michael Buble, no. Somebody connected their phone to the fucking radio and they playing trap music in a fucking Panera Bread. <laughs> this ain't no Panera vibe. <laughs> And I'm trying to keep it together as a black man. I'm trying to stay strong for because I know it is working a job. I'm trying to stay strong. I'm not trying to go full white. I keep it on the, you know, I don't go full white. I don't do white, extra white shit like it butternut squash soup. I don't do that. That's taking things way too far. But I'm trying to be very patient. Order my broccoli cheddar soup in a bread bowl. And when I go up to the register, there's a young man, you know, the back, the little serving station, there's a young brother back there, and he informs me that they don't have any bread bowls today, and would I like to eat my soup in a bowl? Are you fucking kidding me? No. Out of a bowl like a peasant? You want me to eat my soup out of a bowl like a fucking foreigner? No. I might as well tie my hands behind my back and eat it with my fucking face. Give me a fucking bread bowl. I'm containing my anger. I'm containing, I, I, yeah, whatever, man. Put it in the bowl. They assemble my soup and they give it to me and I'm holding my anger in because I'm realizing, Kyrie, you can't do this right now. You're black man. You're about to turn into a Karen. I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to go and ask for the manager, but they fucked up because I know non-bread bowl protocol in the sense of an emergency that a Panera bread is tragically out of bread bowls, you get bread to go with it on the side. Not a bread bowl, but you can still dip those soft middles into the soup. It's still an enjoyable experience. So I go back up there and I inform the young brother, hey, you forgot my baguette. <laughs> he looked confused. He was like, wait, I thought you wanted that for here. Now you want me to bag it? I said, no. <laughs> I would like a baguette. <laughs> he still looked confused, so I pointed to it. He was like, oh, my nigga, you mean bread? No, I don't <laughs> mean bread. <laughs> Looking mad, oh, I, want, I was livid. Ain't that a word white women use? I was livid. I was, <laughs> I was outraged. I was like, what's going on, man? Everything is out of order and in disarray. What's going on? Like, was this something? You guys okay? Y'all short-staffed? He said, no, our manager didn't come in today. He hasn't been coming in at all, man. He's been gone for like a week. I was like, what? That's, that's fucked up. Why is he not showing up? He's like, I don't know, man, but he had a doctor's note, so there's nothing we could do about it. You <laughs> <laughs> got a point there. <laughs> I've been Kyrie Shabazz. I've been amazing. Thank you. I think in comedy, the best gift you can have is breaking that mold of what people expect. When someone sees me on stage, they're, they're probably going to have an idea of what's going to come out of my mouth or what material they're going to hear. Because I have that look. People see me, there should be just buffoon music playing, just like boom, 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 boom. 
But then I love like kind of shocking people like hitting them randomly with a throw quote or, you know, popping something out of left field that they don't know. And again, looking back at my grandma to nod to her, having that toolkit of being able to pull different shit out, that's a weapon. And I love that. I love that. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast